You're listening to Ed Curation, the podcast where teachers talk curriculum. We make it easier for educators to find the resources they need to create fresh, lively, and authentic learning. Welcome to another edition of Ed Curation, where teachers talk curriculum. I'm excited today to have Sonia Herring with us from Crest Hill Middle School in Douglas County, Colorado. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you. Tell our listeners how long you've been teaching and the type of school and environment where you teach. So this is my 13th year, lucky 13. This is my 13th year teaching. And I keep the same kids for two years. So I teach seventh grade Eastern Hemisphere Geography for social studies. And then the next year I teach American History for eighth grade social studies. And Crestall Middle School is in a suburban school district, but the part of Douglas County that I'm in, we definitely have a more diverse population of students, both in terms of socioeconomic status and cultural backgrounds. That sounds like an exciting, very vibrant place to be. It is. It's very vibrant. And what do you like about teaching? What keeps you there for 13 years? There's a lot of things that I enjoy about teaching. I started off life in an office and really did not enjoy that setting. So my worst day at school is always better than my best day in the business world, personally. But I love the students' energy and their curiosity and their humor. And I love being with them. I think they help keep me young. I came to teaching a little bit later. So I enjoy being in this environment. And as a social studies teacher, I love the chance to help develop the next generation of citizens. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time talking about the news and how do we fit into the world and how do we understand politics and economics and plan for our futures. I just feel that this is a position and I guess a rare opportunity in the world to impact a lot of lives in a really positive way, hopefully. So you are here to talk about a particular resource that you find helpful in your classroom called Map Labs from Geography Alive. Is that right? That is. I love them. They're so fun. So Geography Alive is a curriculum that is all about getting kids active and getting them physically moving, which helps middle schoolers learn better when they can be more physical. And the Map Labs is a way for kids to learn about a region, learn about where the countries are, learn about what it's like to live there in a way that's really fun, involves teamwork, involves moving around the room, and I think helps kids make that learning a little bit more permanent in the old-fashioned way of just like color a map. How do they do it? Give, Give us an example of a unit or series of lessons. So every region that we start to learn about, we start with a map lab. And the first step is they they do need to find some, figure out where the countries and some of the capitals and major rivers and mountain ranges and things like that are. And they do map that out in a more traditional on a piece of paper. And then the next day, I have the room set up in stations and I've got little things hanging from the ceiling. So I've got a section for vegetation zones, a section for population density, a section for physical features, one for climate zones, and another one for economic activity. And the curriculum comes with these kind of placards that have thematic maps for each region with each type of map, like a physical feature map or population density map. And then it comes with a series of questions. 
And I have each question on a different card and I have the kids work in groups and they come up and they get one question at a time. And then they're sort of racing to see who can answer the questions most quickly. And then once you pass, so there, it has three levels. And the first level is a very basic what's there. For instance, some of the questions from the Europe and Russia challenge would be on what side of the Ural Mountains are there the most economic resources? And they would go and look for that. And they would figure out that it's the, the eastern side. And are they looking in the textbook or online? The program comes with these colored thematic maps on thick cardboard. So each station, so underneath the vegetation zone sign that I have hanging from my ceiling, I have six identical maps of Europe or of Australia or of wherever that are the vegetation zones of that region. And then they have questions and they get a question. They have to figure out, is this a population question? Is this a physical feature question? And they have to figure out which thematic map would answer their question. Okay. And they go over to the maps and then they have an overlay that's just a black and a clear map with black outlines that has the names of all the countries on it. Uh-huh. And they overlay that on top of the thematic map, figure okay. out their answer, and then they write it down. And then they come and once they get one right, they get another one. Once they pass the first level, they move on to harder questions that involve not just what's there, but why is that there? So another example would be one of the questions is name two European countries that have zones of highlands vegetation. How can physical features and climate of these countries explain why that vegetation is common? And so they have to pull on their background knowledge of what is highlands vegetation, which physical features would make that happen, how does the climate support that, and explain it. And then the final level, they get a picture just one picture and three locations. And they have to go to all of the stations and figure out what place that picture's from by looking at, you know, analyzing the picture for what's the vegetation look like? What's the physical features look like? What's the climate look like? And be able to tell me based on everything that they know, okay, that picture is Zimbabwe or Finland or wherever the picture might be. No wonder it's called Geography Alive. I mean, that is just such a lively way. I would have loved to study geography if I had been taught that way. It's it's very, they have to use deductive reasoning, right? They have to negotiate the right answer with their group, I would imagine. Are they doing this in groups? They're doing it with a partner, usually. That is so exciting. So active, too, because they're they're running around the room. I always make it a competition. Mm-hmm. They want their name on the board for who are the top, you know, who is first, second, and third place for, for winning. The kids come in, they're like, oh, it's a map lab day. They're so excited. That's fantastic. I can imagine middle school students loving that. Are the questions, what's the level of difficulty? I mean, these seem like, they. I love the level one, two, three. It seems like it goes from easier to harder. Do they get stumped on any of these questions or are they generally able to figure them out? The first level, it's really easy. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, it also helps with close reading because Mm -hmm. they'll come back like, this is the answer. I'm like, oh, but you didn't see that it had to be north of the Tropic of Cancer. Mm. Your answer isn't north of the Tropic of Cancer or it says everything except something. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to read your questions more carefully. And the second level, the questions are really, they do get more challenging. So like this one is your family wants to move to Europe. You want to find a place that has a logging where you can have a logging business of coniferous forests where they have deep sea fishing 
where it's not ever going to be hot or dry, but also not densely populated. So they have to really think and they have to go to a bunch of different places. Like, where can I find the one country that matches all of those requirements? Because that must be Northern Europe, I would imagine. It's definitely, yeah. <laughs> how cool. So how did you first learn about Geography Alive and Map Labs? Well, our school was looking for a new geography curriculum and we found this one and we really liked the idea of how active the curriculum was, how current the book is with what's going on in the world. So we, we ended up buying the textbooks and we bought the Map Lab curriculums materials. How long have you been using it? Since 2011. Wow. We really like it. Do you know, do you have to like subscribe and pay every year or did you get a set of kind of hard, hard copy materials that you can reuse? Geography Alive, and I'm not, I am in no way representing them or selling anything for them, but just what our school went through, you can buy the textbooks and, or you can buy a digital subscription to a digital textbook that they update a little bit more regularly. Mm -hmm. And if you buy the digital subscription, they've got all kinds of things where they can mark up the text and they can, if you had a school that was, for instance, like paper free, you could do, they have like all the worksheets in the textbook and everything online if you want it. Mm -hmm. did not do that. Our school district couldn't afford the digital subscription, but you can buy just the part that has the map labs. And that's a hard thing. You don't need, once you buy it, it's yours forever. Now, do you find from 2011 to 2020 that did the materials go through some wear and tear? Do you have to pay to replace them or how does that work? We're pretty careful. Each thing is only used a couple times a year because okay. there's three teams of geography teachers and you only do one map lab, you know, you do the Europe map lab once a year, you do the Africa map lab once a year. So our stuff is actually held up really well. We haven't needed to replace anything. That's fantastic. What a great expenditure that was to be able to use those materials for so long. Now, when you were first learning to use Geography Alive and to use map labs, was there training that you attended? How did you learn how to use these so well? (laughs) there's just written instructions. And I will say the first time I did it, it was really scary because it feels very chaotic. You're releasing an immense amount of control Uh and energy on the kid's side, your control on your side and energy on the kid's side. And I was not sure how it was going to work out. Uh And I I reread the directions over and over. I'm like, am I doing this right? But once I just kind of was like, jump in the pool and figure it out. I realized how fun it was, how much the kids enjoyed getting to be physical and learn and think for themselves and kind of be detectives of geography. I figured it out first and then I just taught everybody else at school how to do it. Now, not everybody at my school still does it. Some of them don't really enjoy the level of chaos that comes, but other people do. Interesting. Yeah. I I would imagine too, if there's turnover of teachers, that might be hard to sustain over time. But I I can just imagine how much more engaged the students are going to be in your class and in this content. It's hard for students when they haven't traveled much, you know, at the ripe old age of seventh grade or eighth grade or something. They've maybe traveled a little bit, but maybe they haven't. And so, you know, thinking about Northern Europe is probably pretty far removed from not only what they know, but what they care about. And so I think that what you're describing is making it more real to them. I think so too. I our students, especially because we have students of pretty diverse economic backgrounds, they really can't say, 
well, is, is Northern Europe cold or, or wet or dry mm-hmm. or anything like that? What is Africa like? I, I don't know. And this allows them to see, okay, well, there's actually parts that are really hot and tropical and there's parts that have nice grasslands and there's parts that are quite dry. Mm -hmm. Kids carry around, if they, if they have any picture at all, usually a pretty inaccurate picture of the world. Sure. Doing this helps kids create a better, just kind of mental image of the way the world interacts and works and is set up. Gosh, that's so important. Now, how did you teach about geography before you found Map Labs? We just did paper maps, kind of what they were when probably you and I were in school, where you you color them and you write on them. And it felt kind of not as important as looking back. I'm like, oh, that was pretty important. I, I do want people to, to be able to hear a news story and understand, okay, where is that? And what else is going on? And what is that near? Mm-hmm. To be a citizen of the world, you have to have some sort of mental picture of what it's like there outside of your own borders. For sure. Yeah. When it's just a map that you color and write on, it's just a memorization exercise, right? It's not, doesn't, there's no context really. And you're not interacting with the information in any way. It's kind of a, an art project. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I'm going to color this part green and that part brown. And that's right. nice. That part's green. Yeah. But I'm going to outline have... mine and make it pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So what have you, what do you think you've been able to achieve using map labs that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise? Well, I think what helps with using map labs is that enthusiasm. Geography is not something that's boring. It's, oh gosh, I got to go to social studies. Like they're excited to come. And I think having that mental picture of what these places are like makes them feel more real as we talk about ethnic clashes in Nigeria or struggling with the spread of pollution in Northern Europe. I think it kind of gives that good background information to build upon a foundation. And I think what it's also really done for me is seen, I've seen how valuable getting up is to kids this age. Yes. Because there's definitely the temptation, especially if you're a newer teacher or if your kids are a little bit more squirrely to, to try and keep them contained and quiet in desks. And okay. actually they do a lot better when they have the chance to work with partners to get to be more active. And so it's encouraged me to try and be creative where I don't have curriculum handily given to me. Where can I create stuff that allows kids to do the same thing, to be more active in their learning? I just love that. I remember learning about a charter school near where I live that had the middle school students kind of working on a farm. So there was a farm on the campus and the students work on the farm. They could help prepare the, the middle school. It was a K-12, but the middle school students would help on the farm, help prepare the lunches. And, you know, they didn't, they weren't just, you know, employees of the school or anything. They had curriculum and, and regular academic work to do, but somehow they wove in this farm school aspect to the school day. And I just always thought that's a brilliant kind of way to do what you're doing with math labs, which is getting kids moving, interacting, like, you know, seeing the bigger picture of things that like, well, you can actually get eggs from the chicken coop and you can actually take care of the chicken coop and, you know, make hard boiled eggs for salads for lunch or, you know, I don't know. I think Anything like you're saying that we can get kids moving is going to improve and all the research, right? All the brain research that's coming out about how we need to get up and move every 50 minutes and it helps us think better. So good for you for doing that. 
Do you think Map Labs has made you a better teacher? I think that Map Labs have helped encourage me to find more ways to include active learning. I know a better teacher, that's a really big, that's a big statement. But I think it has encouraged me to look beyond. So in eighth grade, which is what I'm in the middle of at the moment, I teach, we do DBQs, document-based uh-huh. questions. And where we used to just do them with a packet and you sit down and you analyze and it can feel like a lot, especially for the longer DBQs where you're trying to analyze 10 primary sources. That can just feel like it really weighs you down. But I put them up on the walls and we work in partners and then we stop and we can analyze it. And then I would never have thought of doing something like that mm-hmm. if I hadn't done the map labs. Mm-hmm. And kids look forward to that, you know, oh, we're going to analyze documents, not because they have a deep and abiding love of primary sources, though, <laughs> you know, one would wish that. <laughs> You know, they, they get a chance to make learning different than it than normally and they're moving around and working with someone to, to solve the problem. Sonia, can you remember back in 2011 when, you know, you just, you got this new resource and you had the written instructions only how, about how long it took you to become a proficient facilitator of, of math labs in your class? I think by the, we have five periods and we have two planning periods. By the third or fourth period of teaching it, I was like, oh, I've got this. And then I've never looked back. Wow. I stressed out quite a lot in advance. Okay. And I, I figured out little tweaks, little things. Like, so they have a worksheet thing where they, they write down their answers. And for some reason, when they've got boxes to write in, it's really hard for them to remember to punctuate. And I don't know what it is about writing in a box. And I've seen that true, true across many groups of kids, across many types of content. When there's a box, putting a period at the end of the sentence is just harder. Can't explain it. But So I've discovered things like that. I need to remind them to punctuate. I have little things that I do if, I can, if I'm catching students not working well together and that sort of thing. The contest aspect of it generally keeps everybody pretty motivated to stay focused. So there's little tweaks that I've made depending on the group of kids to make sure that they're they're writing the way that I want them to. The other thing we're practicing when we do it is they have to write in a complete sentence where they're restating the question and they have to use proper grammar, they have to capitalize, they have to spell the country and or the mountain range or whatever properly. So we're practicing some good writing skills as well while we're doing it. Right, you're upping the rigor, you're not just accepting the easy, lazy response, but actually teaching them how to compose the content properly. Yes. Good for you. Can you share any particular stories of success that one particular student or group of students achieved with Map Labs? I think the success of it comes in students' enthusiasm for the learning. How do they perform on the tests after when they're tested on this content? Well, it depends on the the skill of the student oftentimes. I think I have a higher retention rate of this information, but I think it comes more down into skills. And I think kids do a little bit better. We do the geography bee every year. Mm -hmm. Kids do better in the geography bee because they have a familiarity with many parts of the country and the world. The geography has a lot of questions about like, which would be, you know, the colder area or the drier area. So we do, I think more students do better because they, they have that information. 
So what teachers would you recommend check out Map Labs? Anybody who teaches geography. Is it just a middle school program or do you know if it goes up into high school or down into elementary? Well, the nice thing about it is it's not targeted to any grade. I'd say the question content would probably put it outside the realm of maybe, I don't know, probably be too hard for fourth graders, but fifth graders who are working hard could probably manage it. High schoolers could obviously manage it. It's not, it's really that here's where the world is and see if you can figure out how it works. Good luck. It's not really tied to a particular age. That's really cool. Well, it sounds like, Sonia, you have your geography class and content really, really tight. Is there another curriculum product resource or tool you might be looking for for any of your history classes that would make your job as a teacher easier? Oh, well, I I don't know what I don't know, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what's out there. We just recently bought some more DBQs because we were really pushing writing and that critical thinking through the through the use of sources and evaluation of them. But we have all the primary sources we need. I guess I don't know what's out there. I need to listen more to Ed Curation. <laughs> well, we are always looking for educators to share their favorite curriculum product resource or tool. We actually were just working with a school district in the Bay Area in California who were asking for history and social science resources. So I thank you so much for coming on the show today because I'm going to send her this interview so she can hear all the great things that you have to say about Geography Alive and Map Labs. Thank you so much. Oh, actually, I just thought of one. I do a lot of rewriting of the materials I have. I want kids who are fifth and sixth grade readers to be able to access the content. I want the grade level kids. I want my advanced kids to be able to be stimulated as they read. So I've been kind of looking. I've seen people trying to do it, but it's not been good enough. Leveled readings, kind of in the the vein that you might find on Newzella. Yeah. In more kind of more generalized, because those are the Newzella articles are very specific. You're looking at deforestation in Brazil right now. I'm looking for kind of more like, here's the history. Like if you had it in little chunks, like, all right, here's the Revolutionary War. Here's the French and Indian War. Here's so kind of longer leveled readings about less specific topics. Have you checked out Newzella this year? I have not. So I, I haven't had a demo from them this year, but it is my understanding that they've really started releasing more leveled readers for history topics. And so I'm not sure if there you would find exactly what you're looking for, but it might be worth checking them out again. All right, I will do that. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ed Curation. We hope you learned something today about a curriculum resource that produces fresh, lively, and authentic learning. Check out edcuration.com to find out more. That's E-D-C-U-R-A-T-I-O-N.com.